Welcome to season 2 of Mimble Mumble the Harry Potter podcast. I'm Aishwarya and I'm Prashanthi. If you're just joining us for the first time, this podcast features us reading and discussing the Harry Potter books event by event. We're right now on season 2 and book 2, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Today's episode is called Ron Rescues Harry. We'll be covering chapters 1, The Worst Birthday, 2, Dobby's Warning and 3, The Burrow. Let's start with the summary. Harry's 12th birthday turns out to be his worst birthday ever. The Dursleys are preparing to throw a dinner party for Mr. and Mrs. Mason. Vernon Dursley wants the dinner to go well because he wants to get a big order of drills from Mr. Mason. In all that hoopla, the Dursleys ignore Harry's birthday altogether. Harry doesn't mind except he feels very lonely because his best friends Hermione and Ron had forgotten his birthday too. In fact, they had not written to him the whole summer. Dinner time arrives. Harry is instructed to hide in his room and make no noise except something or someone is in Harry's room it's a house elf named Dobby Dobby says terrible things are about to happen at Hogwarts and that Harry should promise Dobby that he wouldn't go back to school when Harry refuses Dobby uses magic to create a huge scene this chases away the dinner guests but also triggers a warning from the ministry of magic Vernon Dursley is overjoyed to find out that underage wizards are not allowed to use magic outside of Hogwarts. He jails Harry in his own room for 3 days after which Ron Weasley arrives to rescue Harry. One of my favorite things about the Harry Potter series is that even though an incredible number of things happen from book to book, J.K. Rowling somehow manages to turn it into a very succinct summary at the beginning of the next book. She does it in such a fun way that even if you're reading them one after another, you wouldn't really mind it doesn't feel like information dump to be reading what happened in the, as the events of the previous book yeah i get it but i actually don't enjoy those parts not because it's something i know already the way she does those recaps i feel like she focuses on the wrong things sometimes for example if you take this chapter the worst birthday the recap is sewn in in such a way that it's it's what harry misses in hogwarts but i don't think that those are the things that harry would actually miss in hogwarts He missed the castle with its secret passageways and ghosts, his classes, though perhaps not Snape, the potions master, the mail arriving by owl, eating banquets in the great hall, sleeping in his four-poster bed in the tower dormitory, visiting the gamekeeper Hagrid in his cabin next to the forbidden forest in the grounds, and especially Quidditch. the most popular sport in the wizarding world six tall goal posts four flying balls and 14 players on broomsticks so it's basically things that jk rowling wants the readers to know about this magical world but i think that's also because of you know his current circumstance where he's not being fed well he's not sleeping well his room sucks and he has <laughs> to spend a lot of time there so obviously he misses hogwarts i guess he can i think harry is allowed to miss all that Yeah and we're seeing Ron and Hermione is a greater pain for him at the moment given that he hasn't heard from them at all. Yeah, I get that. It's just that when somehow it feels very superficial when Harry is missing them because look at what happened after all the events of the previous year with Voldemort and all. This feels very childish suddenly again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the great thing about the Harry Potter books is they're always reminding us that no matter what dangerous things are afoot, Harry's a teenager. Yeah. He has He's not boy a teenager feels. yet. Okay. He's, he's a twin. He's a twin. <laughs> he's a pre-teenager and he has pre-teenager boy feelings like hunger and missing <laughs> friends. <laughs> as usual, Harry is being treated like shit at the Dursley's place. Vernon Dursley is as annoying as ever. Third time this week. 
he roared across the table. If you can't control that owl, it'll have to go. Ferdinand Dursley still looks at his son like he's the best thing that could happen to the world. There's more in the frying pan, sweetums, said Aunt Petunia, turning misty eyes on her massive son. Dudley Dursley is getting bigger and bigger and looks like he's getting fed a lot and smelting his new school. And Harry, after all the exciting things that he's been seeing for the past year, it's boring for both Harry and us. <laughs> yeah. It's so boring that the Winfordum is actually a welcome situation. situation <laughs> the great thing is even though i think the fact that it's boring is kind of predictable i think even jk rowling would have known that that's why she makes it so funny yeah with harry being like i'll be in my bedroom making no noise and pretending i'm not there there are many many funny instances in this. even though the things that are actually happening to harry are not funny at all in fact it's actually very far from funny because he's again we get instances where he's actually abused as a child So they're having breakfast, I think. Yeah. When Dudley asks him to pass the frying pan or something, and he's like, "You forgot the magic word." The reaction the Dursleys have to that is a little extreme. Yeah, I know. Dudley gasped and fell off his chair with a crash that shook the whole kitchen. Mrs. Dursley gave a small scream and clapped her hands to her mouth. Mr. Dursley jumped to his feet, veins throbbing in his temples. I'm surprised at Petunia's reaction because her sister went to Hogwarts. She should have some idea what a eleven-year-old would have learned at Hogwarts, right? But I can understand Dudley's fear. Dudley's fear is very real because he had a pig's tail the previous year, which he had to get surgically removed. Yeah, or maybe that's what everybody is afraid of. Yeah. But interesting point about Petunia Dursley. She should have known that twelve-year-olds can't do much magic. Yes. But also that you cannot do magic outside of the school. Yeah. When she monologues in book one, she says that her sister would come back from Hogwarts and they. Turn teacups into random things. Yeah. So maybe this rule about not using magic outside of Hogwarts kicked in after, really. I doubt it. Yes, it was just an oversight. Yeah. I really like the description that follows that, which is Uncle Vernon sat back down, breathing like a winded rhinoceros. <laughs> But it's so sad about Harry. He he's like I would give anything to see my worst enemy from Hogwarts just to make sure that all that happened to me is real. Yeah. I think any other year, if this situation had happened where Harry felt like he's being ignored by anyone, he would have been able to take it a little bit. We see something very similar happen in a later book, and at that point, Harry never doubts anything that happened before, but he he just gets really worked up about the fact that he's being ignored. Yeah. In this, Harry actually starts doubting his own sanity. Like, did it all happen? Did I imagine it? Yeah. Think about what he went through, and he's like waking up uh, in the middle of the night with some random nightmares and all that. and he has nobody he can share it with he cannot send messages to anybody because one and Dursley locked up his own and he is not even receiving messages it's a very miserable situation and it it's described as he missed hogwarts so much it was like having a constant stomach ache also why do they have homework isn't it summer holidays yeah we had summer holiday homework why are you surprised that they have it too maybe it's a have. what no oh they no i didn't have I remember having some homework. I'm gonna call my mother later and find out. If I yeah, me too. I d- I don't think I I did any homework. No, it'll probably be like reading or it'll probably be an essay like tell us what you did this summer. And I don't remember writing a tell us what you did this summer kind of thing. But I do distinctly remember having some kind of thing to do towards the end. One thing I don't understand about this whole like having this rich builder and his wife over for dinner is why Uncle Vernon. try to get harry out of the way 
because he could use Harry to get like much needed sympathy points, right? He could be like, "Look at me, I'm so generous. You're fostering my wife's nephew, uh, who's also an orphan, in our house and taking care of him as though he were our own child." But That's one a, look at Harry and they'll know that he's not been treated well. No, they could just like trot him out and then be like bedtime. Yeah, and uh, they could have sent Harry off to Mrs. Fig or something. Yes. Anyway, this had to happen, so Harry's like, "I'll be in my bedroom, making no noise and pretending I'm not there." And then they do the whole, they rehearse the whole thing that's going to happen when the dinner guests arrive. That's the most hilarious part of this book. I know where they're like actually even narrating like st- jokes that this yeah. is the joke that I'm going to say. Then, but what if something else spontaneously occurs to you? You, I guess there are people who will rehearse this. this and how are stuff. you so sure of the other person's sense of humor when you really don't know them that well? Because there is a joke that is... J.K. Rowling doesn't expound on any of the jokes. But there is a Japanese golfer joke that I am sure stereotype Japanese people. <laughs> how do you know that they that the builder and his wife will be okay with that? No, I am assuming that uh, Vernon Dursley has some idea of who they are, actually are. I think year on year, mm-hmm. she recognizes things that she hates in people and then makes it a part of the Dursleys. Yeah, I agree. Really. <laughs> <laughs> this time, I think she went overboard describing Dudley as fat. Dudley hitched up his trousers, which was slipping down his fat bottom. Yeah. Over the course of the, that one chapter, I know. she describes his fat arm, fat legs and fat bottom at various places. It's kind of funny. But I'm not sure if... Um, I didn't think it was funny. I See, it can be called descriptive. Mm. Maybe this was over the top though. I don't know if uh, she was inviting us to laugh at Dudley because he's fat or whether... She was she, just describing Dudley at that moment. Yeah. Or she's like, look at Dudley. They think he's so amazing, but he's fat. I don't know. Another question I have about this whole rehearsal thing is, mm-hmm. Dudley says that, you know, I... Uh, they asked me to write an essay at Smeltings mm-hmm. and I wrote about you, Mr. Mason. How would Dudley have been able to write an essay about him when they're just meeting? This I was before Wikipedia. More believable lie would have been, I'm going to write an essay about him. I don't think they're just meeting. If Dudley was also away at school, just like Harry, Dudley must also be meeting. Maybe they are friends and it's just Vernon wants the, this particular dinner to go well because he has this big project coming. Yeah, maybe. But I love Harry's... Reaction to that line. I love how it's written. Like Aunt Petunia started crying and Harry had to like hide himself so he wouldn't laugh out loud. <laughs> so Harry is sitting in the backyard thinking about his miserable life and staring at a hedge when he thinks that the hedge stares back. Mm-hmm. It's a very memorable line for me. Every time I... When I think about this book, that's mm-hmm. like one of the first things that pops into my mind. The hedge is staring back. <laughs> So you mentioned the hedge line and I've never really paid attention to it before but this time around when I was reading when I was reading the chapter I realized that it might actually be in a, uh, a reference to Nisha am I pronouncing that correctly? I guess I guess the philosopher his his line about if thou gaze long into an abyss the abyss will also gaze into thee and that immediately reminded me of uh, this great comic by Saturday Morning Breakfast Serial about the abyss which so the whole thing is appropriated to a bar and it's like, so the, the abyss walks into a bar and uh, people like, you stare at the abyss, the abyss stares back at you. The abyss feels weird. <laughs> the abyss leaves the bar regretting ever coming to <laughs> It's a great comic. We will post the link to it when we put this post out. Then he's trying to investigate what it is when Dudley comes in like taunts him about nobody remembering his birthday and how he doesn't have any 
friends at school. I really like the whole exchange. What? said Harry, not taking his eyes off the spot where they had been. I know what day it is, Dudley repeated, coming right up to him. Well done, said Harry. So you finally learned the days of the week. Harry's retort is savage, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> his sassiness has improved. Yes. I think he's gotten more confidence now. And then Harry scares him away by saying some random gibberish. Petunia's reaction to, his, to it is horrible. I know. She aims a heavy blow at his head with a so- soapy fi- a frying pan. Yeah. It's, that could seriously injure him. And then the punishment list that she assigns him should be a human rights violation. <laughs> the number of things that he has to do. And he's really hungry after doing all, all his chores. He eats a miserable dinner and mm-hmm. he goes up to his room and he promises the Dursleys again. I'll be in my bedroom making no noise and pretending I'm not there. So he goes up and... Harry crossed to his bedroom on tiptoe, slipped inside, closed the door, and turned to collapse on his bed. The trouble was, there was already someone sitting on it. That line again is something that is very memorable for me from this book. And we meet Dobby, the house elf. Before we move on to the next chapter, let's get into our Harry Potter story segment. This time we have a story from Jyotsna, a friend and listener of the podcast. So I started reading Harry Potter pretty early. I was like eight. I got introduced to it after my dad brought home this pirated CD of the first movie. And I was obsessed with it because I didn't understand half of what was going on. So I was like, well, I'm just going to read it. And it spiraled from there very fast. Um, I was an early adopter of Harry Potter. I was the only person in my third standard class who was reading it. And I evangelized it like crazy, like a tiny little cult leader. And which was great because by the time we were like in fifth or sixth standard, like all of my friends were as obsessed as I was. Um, I have too many Harry Potter stories because that formed such a huge chunk of my middle school and high school and I didn't really have much of a life when I was in middle school so a lot of stories that I have are Harry Potter oriented. Um, My favorite is when I turned 11 and I didn't get uh, a Hogwarts letter and I was heartbroken so my sister who's very sweet um, printed out a Hogwarts letter which is um, she like wrote it in like green ink and like put it in a like a like an envelope and like actually mailed it to me and stuff so I took it to school the next day and I convinced a good seven to ten of my friends that during the day I was attending um high school like middle school with them this was in sixth grade that I was attending middle school with them and that in the night I would fly off to Hogwarts and I was attending Hogwarts in the night and for like a straight up like a week people bought it and I had insane stories about like the dorms there and the food there and I was talking about like oh I can't focus on like algebra because I have like charms in the night like it's too hard um uh when I was in seventh grade I had this poor biology teacher who tried to like take this class about teach this class about like bones and the skeletal system and she made the mistake of asking so kids can you imagine what it would be like if we didn't have bones (laughs) big mistake (laughs) because I stood up and gave what must have been like a 
ten minute monologue about Skelly Girl and Gilroy Lockhart. Yeah, I was I was a riot to be around with. Um, yeah, like and just the whole experience of you know buying the books and like staying up all day to read it. I have taken out more than one time a sick day to like stay home and read Harry Potter. Um, I think my parents tried to stop me in the beginning, but then they just gave up eventually. There are like a lot of bookstores in Madurai, but most of them sell uh, IIT prep or like board exam prep. So there was only one bookstore that sold books that wouldn't like suck the joy out of your soul. <laughs> and it was this bookstore called Turning Point. Shout out to Turning Point. It's still there. It is amazing. They had all of the books. They pre-ordered them. It would come in like the day before. There would be lines around the, the street. We would like queue up to get it. There were a lot of times when I would like run straight after school to go pick up a copy and like even now like that bookstore is associated with so many of my memories with Harry Potter. That's a really sweet story. Yeah, I first off her sister is very sweet to even like you know I mean we both have been at the age where like shit Hogwarts letters would be really awesome right now and I think the only thing my brother contributed to the discussion was Harry Potter sucks. <laughs> so I do get really engrossed in books but I don't let myself go down that path where you sit around and wait for the letter because I know that it will be really disappointing and heartbreaking. Yeah. And I don't I like to protect myself from those things. Yeah, if you want to send your Harry Potter stories to us, please record yourself telling the story and email it to us at mumblemumblepodcast@gmail.com. Now, back to the episode. I love that Harry is so polite when he sees that there is a thing in his room right he is not even sure like who is it what is it anything and he just says when he finds out it's a house elf he's like this isn't a great time to have a house elf in my bedroom that is not how I would have reacted <laughs> I guess he knows about house elves does he because it never comes up in book 1 yeah it doesn't or I I I mean to say that he knows that something like that exists rather than what they actually are because actually, he immediately says that this is not a good time for me to have a house elf i i think that he meant in the sense that he would have said that to anybody like <laughs> if a centaur had come in there it would be like, not a great time to have a centaur in my room the word dobby is an old english word mm-hmm. that means a benevolent elf that would perform household tasks mm-hmm. secretly in the night like the like in the shoemaker story that's what dobby means yeah interesting <laughs> It's a very straightforward name then. Yeah, as per usual, J.K. Rowling's taken a few myths and changed a little bit of the details and put it in here because the I mean the house elves do seem like a direct reference to the shoemaker and the elves mm-hmm. that make shoes in the night and stuff like that. But apparently there is something in French called farfadet in French fairy tales. The description is that they are wrinkled brown-skinned midgets who went around either naked or wearing dirty rags. Oh. Yeah and they would go around farming houses completing tasks not done by human servants they would leave if given clothes by the master of the house but the reasoning is that they would leave because they're proud creatures that are offended that their wardrobe needs replacing <laughs> so not close but very close yeah <laughs> i love what she's done with it she's given so much history and like depth to houses of all the magical species she mentions in this book 
the species explores the most mm. are house elves because they represent a issue she wants to discuss which is about class and slavery and slavery exactly because centaurs and goblins and trolls and giants all these things are there but they are kept at a distance they are still mythical but house elves are means to an end for her she really wants to talk about these issues i love that this is not a one time thing that it comes later in the books also the first thing to note about dobby is that he talk he refers to himself in third person yes <laughs> obviously there's another person who does that that's ashwarya <laughs> the literary device of referring to oneself in third person is called elaism it's basically a psychological disconnect between your your uh, mind and your body so it it's used in most places to convey that the person who refers to themselves in third person does not have a personal sense of self basically people who have to talk about events in their life but the events are so traumatic that they cannot talk about it like it happened to them that's one extreme another extreme is political leaders referring to themselves in third person because they are too proud and they want to talk about themselves but they want to come across as someone who's objective and you know basically you want to toot your own horn but you don't want to seem narcissistic so you refer to yourself in third person i don't know if i'm one or two <laughs> i might need some time to think about it <laughs> but it was very interesting that jake rolling wrote dobby in a way that he refers to himself as third person in third person so apparently in us marine corps mm-hmm. the recruits are made to refer themselves as the recruit because mm-hmm. they should never think about their individual lives they always have to think of the unit from dobby's explanation about house elves they don't exist as a unit they belong to the house mm. dobby doesn't have an individual identity as dobby he only has an identity of as a house elf of the house he belongs to which we don't discover yeah in this I particular know. chapter yeah but it's very interesting you can think that he dobby refers to himself in third person because of the trauma he's undergoing every day at the hands of his masters or that he ha- after all the trauma he just has no sense of self when dobby says that harry should not go back to hogwarts because horrible things are being planned and harry is like is it related to voldemort and dobby is like slowly dobby shook his head not not he who must not be named sir but dobby's eyes were wide and he seemed to be trying to give harry a hint harry however was completely lost harry stupidly asks if voldemort has a brother or something i know it should actually be he doesn't have a, he hasn't got a twin has he to be like truly like so popperish levels like <laughs> suddenly find out that Voldemort has a twin who has finally like decided okay what i will help my brother get his revenge <laughs> yeah that was so stupid <laughs> also we realize that dobby is as meddlesome as harry why because he basically cut off communication from the outside world because mm-hmm. he wanted harry to be safe I'm sorry how is that like as meddlesome as Harry No I mean we were in the last episode we were talking about how Harry is meddling and how yeah. he doesn't want Snape to get the one thing that he really wants Yeah and, uh, except Dobby takes it to new levels Yeah he's so intuitive he understands that if Harry feels left out there's a chance that he might not go back But what doesn't make sense is that does Dobby really think that people won't come looking for Harry not his friends but school authorities would come looking for him right Will they Yeah Harry has the would. same doubt but I don't know if they would I think if Harry Potter didn't show up to school on time people would come looking for him. Yeah. Uh Dumbledore would send someone yeah. again. When Harry like tries to you know as we're Dobby saying hey you know I know horrible things are happening at Hogwarts 
but dumbledore is there so you know i'm sure it can't be like too bad and stuff dobby says dumbledore is the greatest headmaster that hogwarts has ever seen mm-hmm. but there are some things that no decent wizard and he just trails off there because he has to punish himself again yeah why is dumbledore the greatest headmaster that hogwarts has ever seen what has he done as a headmaster that he's so great a lot of people call dumbledore a lot of things over the course of these books mm-hmm. right like they call him he's the wizard he's the greatest wizard of the generation and based on all the things he's like discovered slash done even based on his chocolate for our card you can understand why he has that particular those titles why is he the greatest headmaster though i think he might be the most famous headmaster that hogwarts has ever had but because he's the greatest wizard that they're like he must a, be an amazing headmaster also no it's like a transitional property what do they say <laughs> because he's the greatest wizard and he's a headmaster transitive property transitive yeah <laughs> so basically he's also a greatest <laughs> headmaster but nobby's punishing himself alerts uncle vernon what the devil are you doing you've just ruined the punchline of my japanese golfer joke one more sound and you'll wish you've never been born boy i love the way vernon dursley from the movie wants harry mm-hmm. i mean it's the same dialogue but it's so delivered so well One more sound, and you wish you'd never been born, boy. And Harry is like, you see what's what it's like here. I really need to go back. And after that, Dobby reveals that he's been stopping the letters from his friends. Harry realizes that Dobby has sta- stopped letters from ha- Hermione, Ron, and Hagrid. I feel sad that Harry did not really miss Hagrid. I know. Mention Apparently, Hagrid misses him enough to write to him, but <laughs> which again goes to show that Hagrid is actually pretty thoughtful. Yeah. maybe he he wrote to harry and like what if no one else was writing to harry frequently so or maybe harry hagrid just thinks that harry is his friend yeah <laughs> hey how are you <laughs> so what's, what's up, up? <laughs> and then when harry repeatedly uh, says that he cannot promise that he he would not go back dobby takes things to the next level yeah. he goes to the kitchen where there's a giant pudding yeah that petunia had made for the masons he just throws it on the floor right he drops it on the floor yeah but i don't understand why harry didn't just lie to get dobby to you know put the pudding down why couldn't he just said okay i won't go back to hogwarts and then dobby puts the pudding down and then dobby leaves and then harry does whatever he wants to do i don't think harry is actually very noble when it comes to these things yeah he knows that dobby is acting out of good intentions good intentions at that point he thinks that dobby is acting out of good intentions and he doesn't want to betray that's that's one of the heroic characteristics that he has he doesn't yeah. want to betray even like a house elf yeah and also he realizes that dobby is really powerful <laughs> he he would be like to get the promise out of me he dobby is going through so much if he actually realizes that i went back to school after i promised him that i won't he might probably kill me himself <laughs> but uh, the movie just escalates dobby dropping the pudding to the next level because dobby doesn't just drop the pudding in the kitchen dobby levitates the pudding and drops it over mrs mason's head yeah right in the book it looks like you know the pudding thing can still be explained away because uncle vernon just says oh my nephew he's really disturbed mm. and stuff and then just like you know makes harry like clean up the kitchen and aunt petunia thankfully has backup she has ice cream in the <laughs> fridge and she's pouring out the ice cream and then there's the owl Yeah. The owl comes and I think it drops a letter on Mrs. Mason's head. Yeah. And that's it for Harry. Because the owl not just freaks the Masons out. Mrs. Mason's apparently afraid of birds. <laughs> I love ha- how Harry is described as 
Harry stood in the kitchen, clutching the mop for support as Uncle Vernon advanced on him. Yes. Like, I am done. Yes. And he just doesn't expect what the letter is carrying, right? Which is a warning from the improper use of magic office. I found it really weird that the note just said that, you know, first time offense, it basically says first time offense is fine, but don't do it again. Mm. You know that this shouldn't happen. Mm. <laughs> so this whole thing uh, is called the trace. He's apparently put on underage wizards. Mm. Once they turn 17, the trace disappears from the wizard slash witch. The trace activates anytime magic is performed in the vicinity of an underage wizard. And it just goes to show more it, it reveals a lot of things about wizarding society. A, that they don't consider, that they consider magic to be something only that a, hum, like a human being does. Mm. Something that only a witch or a wizard does. But not house elf magic. It's not considered to be a form of magic because it didn't even like register as something that a, another being there could have done. Mm. Immediately it was like Harry only must have done this mm-hmm. kind of magic. Mm. Right? So it goes just to show just how, where they regard oh, beings, yeah, beings in their classification. Then once Uncle Vernon finds out that he cannot perform magic, his fear of Harry turning them into dung beetles goes away and he imprisons Harry. And this is horrible. He imprisons him and he's like, he is ready to imprison him for the rest of his life. Yeah. And he cuts out a tiny hole in the door. Cat where, Yeah. Where he can provide food. Yeah. And it takes a particular kind of cruelty to serve cold soup. Yeah. It's horrible what he goes through. What motivates Uncle Vernon to do this? I don't understand. Yeah, I know. You'd think they would be happy to get rid of him, right? Yeah. Like, they'd they'd want him to leave. I think they are moral policing more than anything else right now. Like, no one should perform magic in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they're just angry because he deceived them. How? Lie by omission. He didn't say that I'm not allowed to do magic. Mm. Hence, let them continue on with their assumption. (laughs) And now they're angry that they've been shown to be idiots. But all yeah, of this, in any thankfully, case, this is very, this is a horrible thing to do. And it goes to show that Harry is being abused. Yeah. Still. Still. Yeah. Why aren't they afraid that Harry would just get up one day and murder them? Once he's a murderer, he wouldn't care if he got expelled from the school. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but thankfully, Harry only has to endure three days of this punishment. Because he wakes up suddenly in the, from random dreams in the middle of the night. Where he thinks he's a, in a zoo with an underage wizard around his neck to see a familiar face in the window. Mm. And it's Ron. Come to the rescue. Yay. Yeah. Ron A is a very, very good friend. Yeah. Seriously. Because his first question is, why aren't you answering? <laughs> <laughs> letters, I invited you to stay over like 12 times. <laughs> he's a good friend, not just because of that. He's not like, okay, adults will take care of it. Yeah. No. He's like, I sent you letters and you got a warning saying you did magic. I don't know what's happening. So I'm here in yeah. a playing car. Yeah. And that Fred and George came equipped for breaking and entering. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you've forgotten who I've got here. Yeah. <laughs> in their uh, rescue attempt, they like pick lock on Harry's door, go get his trunk. And Uncle Warner doesn't make up for any of that. Except Harry stupidly forgets Hedwig yeah. in the bedroom. I felt like the movie did a better job of showing Harry's escape mm. because... They skip the whole like trunk is under the, in the cupboard under the stairs. The trunk is in Harry's room, and he gets caught only because of the window. I think when they there's go. a crash when they pull out the bars from the window. And Uncle Vernon wakes up from that crash and not from Hedwig's screech. No, I'm still like not over Harry forgetting Hedwig. Okay, she's Snow White. Mm-hmm. It's a dark room. Mm-hmm. 
when you look around thinking what have i forgotten here how could you not see the white owl so basically the ford anglia the car is mr weasley's they mentioned that right they get a because harry is like i got a warning for just something doing magic right next to me and you are here you are with a flying car <laughs> it's like this doesn't count because the we didn't do the magic we are just borrowing the car and then harry successfully escapes so, see you next summer is a great line <laughs> yeah uh whenever you have a fight with someone with your parents or someone you you want to get away you get away you storm off and it feels nice at that moment to mm-hmm. say something sassy and go but then rest of the time until you see them again you're going to be ridden with guilt yeah until you say see them and say oh i'm so sorry for saying that yeah harry doesn't does not have any of that yeah because, because they're being totally yeah they locked him in his room and put bars on his window yeah see you next summer is a very polite thing to say <laughs> so long suckers is, is yeah. a better thing to say than yeah somehow harry getting to say that makes me feel jealous of him. yeah it's a hero's moment definitely That brings us to the end of today's episode. If you'd like to discuss this episode, drop a comment on our website mumblewimble.in. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr and Twitter. In the next episode, we'll be talking about the events leading up to Ron missing the Hogwarts Express. That's chapter 3 the burrow, chapter 4 at Flourish and Blots and midway through chapter 5 the Whomping Willow. Thank you for listening. Until then, I'll be in my bedroom making no noise and pretending I'm not there. Thank you.